what are the things that you can remove that you can let go of that will allow for massive gains? And so when we go through the meal plan, because I'm going to guide you on exactly what to eat if you're a guy and you want to drop weight or if you're a gal and you want to drop weight, I'm going to give you the clear step-by-step approaches in this episode. But I want you to embrace it with a positive mindset if there are foods in there that are no longer included because you're now going to let go to get better, not bitter. Welcome to the Dr. Ashley Show. A few months ago, I was at a friend's house and a lady came up to me and I introduced myself and she said, oh my gosh, I know who you are. You're Dr. Ashley and you own PhD weight loss. And I said, yeah, well, it's nice to meet you. And she said, I have so many friends who have dropped weight and so much weight that it blew my mind. She said she went up to them and was like, oh my gosh, what drugs are you taking? What's working? Because I need that. They said, no, I haven't used any drugs. I did it through eating real food and changing my mindset on a lot of things. And she said, no way. How'd you do it? And up came my name and PhD weight loss. And so she said, you know what? I want you to sit here with me and give me the steps that I need to drop this weight on my own. And she grabbed her stomach. She's like, I've got 30, 40 pounds of stubborn weight. It's all on my belly as I'm hitting menopause can you help me? And I said, well, you know, I definitely can help you, but the best thing to do is come into PhD weight class because that's how we help people drop weight and keep it off for good. And she said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. I promise you after I, it was like, I don't know, a few months back. So after the summer, um, I'm really busy with my kids, but then I promise I'll come in. But could you give me some steps so I can start this process on my own and then come to you and finish the job that I've set out to do? And I said, sure, I'll walk you down and give you some step-by-step directions. And so that's what I'm going to do today for you is I'm going to give you a step-by-step guide on how you can drop the first 20 pounds on your own. Now, Now, with this to say, this is really hard advice for me to give. I'm even a little hesitant to do it because it might not work for you. And if it does, it just means that it's not customized enough. And what we do at PhD is customize the meal plan, guide you on exactly what, when, how much to eat, take out all the guesswork, and meet with you multiple times a week to make sure it's the right plan for you. So if this advice from this episode doesn't give you what you need, you have to promise me that you can't say this doesn't work work for me. If you don't feel good while you're going through it and trying these changes that I'm going to advise to you, it's because something's off and something's wrong. So you have to promise me that if you give this a try and it doesn't work for you, that you just don't say the method doesn't work or that the method doesn't make you feel good because it's likely you didn't do the right thing that you need to do um, and that my advice wasn't specific enough for your unique body. In general, what you're doing and the way you're going to eat through my advice here, if you follow it, you should feel really good. You shouldn't have a headache. You shouldn't have cravings. You shouldn't be hungry. You should start sleeping better. You should feel like inflammation is dropping, like your joints move better. You sleep better. You can think more clearly. If that's not happening again, then you just need more customized advice, but this approach still can work for you. So before we dive in, I want you to notice that this plan is not an everything in moderation plan. A lot of people come in and they say, I know exactly what to do. I just need to eat a balanced diet and I need to eat everything in moderation. But that doesn't work for most people. And the reason why is because there are these gateway foods. They're like these trigger foods where if you eat them, you can't stop or you eat 
them and it opens up the door to overeating on some other food that your body just doesn't tolerate. And the trigger food, the gateway food is different for each person. For me, it is definitely ice cream, specifically cookie dough ice cream. And I swear they put just the right amounts of those cookie dough blobs so you keep searching and you have to keep eating all the way to the bottom of the pint of ice cream. Or it could just be me and that's a gateway food. But what I want you to understand is that there are foods that you're going to be letting go of. There are these trigger foods that just aren't serving you anymore. It's recognizing the foods that you say you love that don't love you back. And it's recognizing that letting go of foods actually can help you create the most massive gains in your life. And I did a podcast on this in the past, and it was on success through subtraction. And I talked about removing the biggest things that create negative impact in your life. And I talked about that being even more impactful than adding any half that supposedly could enhance your health. So when you remove something, the process of letting go, you have to allow it to let you get better, not bitter, right? So when you let let go of something, you're getting better, not bitter. And here's an example for me in my life, not related to food, but it was something that I had to let go of and it created massive gains in my life. And for me, it was sleep. So I love, my natural state is to stay up late. I would love to stay up till one o'clock and I'd love to get up at nine in the morning and get my eight hours of sleep. And that's my natural tendency, but for my life and what I'm doing, it didn't work, right? I'm a mom of three young kids. I own a large business, PhD weight loss. I've got over 70 team members that I'm leading and I can't wake up at 9 a.m. At least I haven't figured out the secret sauce to be able to do that yet and do everything that I want to be able to do and that I need to do in the day. And so what I was doing is I would go to bed late, probably 11.15, I'd start heading to bed. So I'm asleep at midnight and I'd still get up at like 6.30 in the morning. And so I was exhausted. What I would do at night is I would put the kids to bed, then it's 9.30 p.m. And I would sit down in front of the TV with my computer and I would start working and answering emails and watching the latest show. And maybe I would have a glass of wine with that just to relax. And I'd go to bed, like I said, at midnight. And as a result, I had stage four adrenal fatigue. I recognize that I had chronic Lyme that I am still working on overcoming, but getting less than eight hours of sleep or less than six hours often was not good. Um, drinking the wine at night did not serve me and didn't let me get restful sleep when I did sleep. And here I've got these three kids that, you know, pull a lot on one's energy along with a really big business and my body just couldn't handle it. And my husband, who is in lifestyle medicine, kept ragging on me, being like, you've got to get to bed. You've got to get to bed. So I dropped the alcohol and I don't really drink anymore. And now I head to bed at 9.15 rather than sit down in front of my computer. I've read so many books. I think it's a sign from the universe telling me that if you overwork and you work through the evening hours, you actually do less deep work during the day. So turning yourself off from that time about five o'clock onward and not working allows your brain to have a break so that you can actually sleep fully and wake up and do the deep work that's needed. And I found that that's huge for me. And so what I let go of was getting to bed late and I didn't get bitter about it. Although I will say there were a few weeks of being bitter about it and having to get used to that new schedule. I had to train my body. But you can see how me letting go of TV, letting go of the wine, 
and letting go of staying up late was way more impactful than any kind of hack that I might add to get better sleep. I could have added blue light glasses. I could have added an Uller, you know, that thing that you put on your bed that cools down the bed. I could have added supplements. I could have taken a whole bunch of supplements like melatonin. And I'm not saying that all these things aren't helpful. They're for sure helpful. But imagine the percentage of impact that all these hacks would have if I still stayed up late, if I still watched TV, if I still worked, if I still, you know, got to bed really late, they wouldn't make the massive impact. So I share this with you so you can look at your lifestyle when it comes to food and nutrition or your movement or just overall lifestyle in general. And what are the things that you can remove that you can let go of that will allow for massive gains? And so when we go through the meal plan, because I'm going to guide you on exactly what to eat if you're a guy and you want to drop weight or if you're a gal and you want to drop weight, I'm going to give you the clear step-by-step -step approaches in this episode but I want you to embrace it with a positive mindset if there are foods in there that are no longer included because you're now going to let go to get better, not bitter. So step one is you want to achieve your optimal weight. And I talk about this in a lot of the previous episodes, how the impact of your visceral fat has on your overall health. So remember that this belly fat is active. It secretes a whole bunch of hormones. Its whole objective is to help you get fatter as fast as possible. It secretes hormones that make you hungry, that make you crave, that slow your metabolism, that make you lazy. So if you only drop a portion of this excess fat weight that's in the belly, then you're at a very high risk of all the weight coming back. Imagine this fat mass in your belly like a tumor and all it wants to do is grow. So if you only lose a portion of it, it's like shaving the top off of a weed and leaving the root. So no matter what steps you follow, if you don't fully collapse that fat mass, then you're at a really high risk of putting the weight back on. The next thing is that you really want to focus on the right fuel. And the right fuel is going to be the type of fuel that allows you to become fat adapted. So I want to go through with you what happens with our metabolism generally when we eat the standard American diet or even a healthy diet with everything in moderation versus if you become fat adapted. So most of us are carbohydrate burners. We burn sugar and carbs. I use the word sugar and carbs synonymously because they're basically the same thing. And so when you utilize this type of fuel, you're going to be producing insulin. And insulin is a byproduct of carbohydrate metabolism. Insulin promotes fat storage. You don't want to have a lot of insulin, but these foods we've been told to eat actually have the body, the pancreas secrete more insulin and promotes fat storage. And so what I want you to imagine when you're a carbohydrate or sugar burner, that it's equivalent to a wood burning fireplace. So you know with a wood-burning fireplace that you have to keep sticking the logs in there every 20 minutes or the flame burns out. You know that the air is pretty stinky, it's smoky, and if you look in the fireplace of a wood-burning stove, it's all black and sooty in there. So I want you to imagine that's what it's like when you're a carbohydrate or sugar burner. The byproduct is free radicals, which are linked to a whole host of negative health consequences. You don't want to have free radicals in the body. I talk about the impact of free radicals 
radicals in previous episodes too, but they're the bad guys and they go around and they're unstable molecules and they want to go around and steal electrons from other molecules to make themselves more stable. But then in the end, everyone's unstable. It sounds like bad relationship, doesn't it? But they're in there and that's a byproduct of this carbohydrate metabolism along with insulin, which promotes fat storage and inflammation. And you got to eat every three to four hours. That's why you're told you need to eat every three to four hours, just because all the energy is gone and you can't tap into the stuff that you have stored on your body as fat. The leanest person has 70,000 calories worth of fat on their body. And when you're a carbohydrate sugar burner, you're burning fuel like this wood burning fireplace. You can't tap into all the beautiful stuff you have on your body. Now, once you become fat adapted, this all changes. And I want you to imagine fat adaptation, a fat adapted metabolism to be like a propane fireplace. Now, imagine a picture of this. The propane tank, you turn it on. It's real simple to turn on, takes less energy. And it the propane tank lasts a lot longer and the air smells pretty darn good. You look in there, it's real clean. There's no soot, there's no byproduct there. It's just like this endless type of energy source. And that's what fat adaptation means. Nearly every cell in your body prefers to burn fat for fuel. We just don't let it because of the way we've been told to eat. The government's my plate that you've probably seen or the food pyramid way back when supports this carbohydrate metabolism, this wood fire burning stove, rather than this fat adaptation, this fat metabolism and this propane fireplace that I'm talking about. So everything that you want to do and the way that you're eating and why we're letting go of some foods and focusing on others is to get this body into the fat burning place. And it's not just about dropping weight. It extends the benefits of it, extend far beyond just weight loss. And it's not to say that you have to be keto or Atkins or that this is a severely low carbohydrate diet. It's not that at all. Carbs are not evil. They just have the most profound effect on how we metabolize all other nutrients. If you eat above your unique carbohydrate tolerance level, you switch off the flip to burning fat for fuel and you push over into this sugar carbohydrate metabolism type of situation I've been talking about. So this fat adaptation is so beneficial. You can reduce your high blood pressure quickly. You can reverse type two diabetes and put that into remission very quickly within six weeks or shorter for a lot of people. I was talking to one of our nationwide at-home clients in Georgia, his name is Lenny, and he had over 100 pounds to drop, so he had a longer journey, but still will drop 100 pounds with us in 30, 35 weeks or so, so pretty darn quickly when you think about how long it took to accumulate 100 pounds of excess fat mass. But anyway, he went and came to see me because he had a high elevated pulse rate for years and high blood pressure. And I talked to him in two weeks after he started the program and his pulse rate was normal. Like he could not believe it that he was on all these different medications. He had tried everything. And in two weeks of switching his metabolism over, his pulse normalized. And I hear this all the time. It's not just Lenny. You can reverse fatty liver disease. Alzheimer's disease is now called type 3 diabetes. And we can prevent that and reduce the speed of it by becoming fat adapted. So it's really a beautiful, beautiful thing. And if you haven't tapped into it, you're missing the way that your body wants to work naturally. Okay, so now let's talk about what to eat. You want to make sure that you get adequate protein. Protein is the key to maintaining your muscle mass, and your muscle mass is the key to longevity and is your metabolic currency. You need to have muscle as you age. 
And as we age naturally, muscle mass starts to decrease. So I wanna see probably 1.8 to one gram of protein per pound optimal body weight. So if you are a lady and you're 180 pounds now, and let's say your optimal weight is 130 pounds, then you wanna have about 100 to 130 grams of protein per day. Let's say you're 250 pounds and you're a guy. And in order to fully collapse that fat mass, to pull out the weed, um, you need to weigh, let's say 180 pounds is your target. Then how much protein do you want to eat in a day? About 0.8 to one gram per pound optimal weight. So per 180 pounds. So that would be around 145 grams to maybe 180 grams of protein a day. Now, if you are a current PhD weight loss client and you're working with us and your protein amounts that you're consuming are less than this, do not fret. Your meal plan is specifically customized for you and right where you need to be to drop the weight. And then we continue to shift your protein as your body changes. And once you enter into maintenance, we shift it as well specific for you. So don't fret there if you're calculating things and things aren't adding up within these ranges, but you'll probably be close to it. The other thing to note while you're eating this protein is that you want to get your bolus of protein, the most protein with your first meal and the last meal of the day. The reason why is because it helps your muscle math synthesize this protein when it gets a specific amount. So you don't want to dribble this protein across the day. You want to get it in your specific meals, mainly first meal and last meal, about 30 to 55 grams of protein for the first meal and last meal of the day, depending on your body size. Anything above 55 grams in a meal, most people can't tolerate. It, it, it's kind of a rate limiting step. You can only uh, handle so much protein at one given time. So the next thing about protein is you want to make sure that it's animal protein if you're open to it, if you can do that, because you're going to absorb the most. If you are a vegetarian and you're only open to eating plant protein, you only absorb 0.69 or 69% of that gram of protein. So you're going to have to eat like two times as much. I'm not great at uh, math, so it might not be exactly that, but you're going to have to eat a lot. And sometimes with plant protein, well, oftentimes it's loaded with a lot of carbs. So then you shoot up above your carb tolerance level. It's just a little bit more difficult to get it in. Totally possible, but just wanted to put that out there. You want to eat lower glycemic index carbs. These lower glycemic index carbs means more high fiber, lower sugar. So these might be your non-starchy veggies like your green leafies, asparagus, broccoli, cauliflower, Side note, if you hate vegetables, you can still drop weight and you can still take this approach. We can help you get around that, but it is helpful if you like these things. Also, another note, another tip is that if you're getting these cauliflower substitutes that are all over in the grocery store, like the cauliflower pizza crust or cauliflower mashed potatoes or like, I swear they have cauliflower cereal now, a lot of times they fill these products with potato starch, tapioca starch, and it increases the carb content to be equal to their regular counterpart. So look at the back of the label if you're getting a cauliflower pizza crust and make sure per serving, you're looking at six grams or less of carbohydrate in a serving. If it's 30 grams or something like that, you see potato starch or brown rice flour or something like that, put it back and keep searching. Anything underground is a pretty high carb source to support the plant above. So if you're eating a ton of potatoes, 
and carrots and beets, you know, have their healthy things about them and you can still eat them in moderation depending on where you are and your goals. But potatoes specifically are really starchy and can knock you out of fat burn, especially at the beginning of your journey. So you're going to let that go a little bit during the weight loss phase. Let's see, beans, corn, they're not a vegetable, just to let you know, they're a starch. And so if you're gonna go and grab some food at Chipotle, you might ask, hey, no beans, no corn, um, no rice, but instead you're gonna get this beautiful salad bowl, put all your meat and your avocado and your cheese, sour cream, uh, salsa on top of it, and wow, it's a really great meal and you're still burning fat for fuel. You're going to reduce or remove grains. So this is one of those foods that really can induce overeating and, and binging for a lot of people. So for me, I've completely removed grains from my diet because they don't serve me. It's one of these things where I let go and I get better, not bitter over not eating grains. Um, like pasta just makes me feel very bloated. And for a lot of clients, when they drop the pasta and they drop the flowers, they feel a lot better. So be open-minded to it. There's so many substitutes out there. Zucchini noodles are actually really delicious. If you've ever eaten zucchini noodles and you love them and you're watching this on YouTube, drop a comment below to encourage others to try them. Um, I'll probably never eat pasta again. And I know a lot of people are attached to pasta, but for me, the zucchini noodles do the job and I have other foods that I really love that serve my body better. Uh, you're gonna drop sugar. Sugar is just not good for the body. It drives more cravings and hunger. It's definitely a gateway food. It induces uh, blood sugar elevation and it causes the body to secrete insulin, which is a fat storage hormone. And sugar, I mean in all of its varied forms. So that could be sugar from fruit juice. I talk a lot about fruit juice that you don't need it. Your kids don't need it. Your grandkids don't need it. If you drink juice, even if it's fresh squeezed, it's really just sugar and you'll be so much better off just eating the fruit in its whole form. So let the sugar go. Sugar is in a lot of different foods, specifically um, cereals. So I was on a trip a few months ago and there were three ladies and they were talking about eating healthy cereal. And I'm like, oh my gosh, because there's no healthy cereal. I'll give you two options that are okay, but they're still just decent and not great. So they're all talking and kind of bragging about what they eat for breakfast. And there were two older ladies and one younger lady, the younger lady, maybe in her twenties. And she was like, you know, I love cereal, but I love old people cereal. And the older ladies were saying, oh, well, what was the old people cereal? And she said, Raisin Bran. And it's so healthy. And the lady said, yeah, we do love Raisin Bran. Maybe it is an old person cereal. And she goes, yeah, I just love it. And I eat it with my skim milk and a banana. And I couldn't contain myself. I usually can keep quiet. You know, if I'm sitting next to someone on the airplane and they're eating Skittles and Coke, which seems to happen to me all the time. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is slowly killing them. I refrain. <laughs> but this one, I couldn't for some reason. It was like just, oh my gosh. And so I turned to them and I said, you know, Raisin Bran actually has much more sugar than most cereals in there so much sugar there's you know six teaspoons of sugar in maybe one and a fourth cups of raisin bran with a cup of skim milk adds more sugar in there and then the banana on top of it i don't have the math here but i'm just guessing so if you do these numbers and i'm wrong then you know 
just give me a little bit of a break, but probably 19 teaspoons of sugar in that one and a fourth cup raisin bran with skim milk and banana. And the thing about the body, it doesn't shout out like, yes, this is sugar from raisin bran. I'm going to do something different with it. No, it doesn't matter if it's from the raisin bran or if it's from the dude eating Skittles next to me on the plane. The body still metabolizes it very similarly. Now, I know fiber and a little bit of protein is going to blunt the spike of sugar, but not significantly enough. So this is a long message to say that you're going to let go of sugar. In cereal, be careful for smoothies. Oh my gosh, they put all this sugar and fruit juice in smoothies. If you go get a smoothie, order it without uh, the fruit juice and ask for maybe an unsweetened almond milk in there and some berries and some spinach, and it will be just as tasty. Watch your coffee drinks. Those can have a ton of sugar in them, so you want to let go of that. And I know there's this controversy between is real sugar better than sugar substitutes? Real sugar is not better. Real sugar is not good. No matter one way around it, you want to let it go. And the sugar substitutes you do have to be careful of, but there are some better substitutes. My favorite specifically would be allulose and monk fruit. Don't fear fat. So when I was a professional ballet dancer, which I was before I got into the field of nutrition, I count fat grams like an expert bookkeeper. I would have days where I would have three to five grams of fat because I thought that fat would make me fat and I always struggled with my weight. As a result, I was injured, my hair was falling out, I was not healthy and I was still struggling with my weight. So I want you to embrace fat. So that means eating healthy oils, eating full fat uh, yogurts, not getting anything fat free enjoying butter, getting fatty cuts of fish because they give you the good omega-3s, and then avoiding the vegetable oils that you find in a lot of processed foods like sunflower oil, safflower oil, cottonseed oil, all of those, canola oil, they're pretty much rancid in the bottle and you don't want to cook with those. So if you're cooking with canola oil, throw it away right now. I mean, finish this podcast episode and then turn it off and go throw away all of your canola oils and instead get avocado oil or coconut oil or an olive oil is better for cold use like on top of your salads. Don't drink your carbs. Your carbs specifically could come from sodas, from juices. Regular cow's milk is actually for a baby calf that's in growth mode and you're not in growth mode anymore. So you really don't need that cow's milk. If you want to get calcium from a kind of milk, maybe an unsweetened almond or coconut milk would be a better option. You don't want to drink oat milk. It spikes your insulin levels, which is not a healthy hormone that you want to have high levels of significantly more than the dairy. Um, heavy cream is going to be your best bet. If you go to Starbucks and you want some kind of milk in your coffee beverage, I would ask for heavy cream or half and half, or if they have it, an unsweetened almond or coconut milk, but usually they put sugar in those milks. So in general, you're decreasing your starches and your sugars, and you're increasing your protein and your veggies of all different colors, and you're increasing your healthy fats. You're going to eat real whole food in their natural form. So if you're going to eat an egg, don't get egg beaters, but eat the whole egg. The yolk is where you actually get all the vitamins and minerals from. Um, the deal with nuts and cheese, uh, I told this friend of mine, this lady who was asking me for all of these steps, that you can eat nuts and cheese, but they're really dense and they're a trigger food. So it's even better if you just let them go during the weight loss phase so you're not tempted by them. 
So now I want to share with you a specific meal plan. I'm not going to start with the ladies first. So if you are a lady and your target is around 130 pounds, then these are some options that you can eat for meals. For breakfast, you can have three-fourths cup Greek yogurt, a plain flavor with a scoop of collagen you could put in there and a sprinkling of berries. Or you could have two eggs, two ounces of ham, and some veggies scrambled in there. Then you move on to lunch and you could have four ounces of whatever kind of animal protein you want with a delicious salad and two tablespoons of a full fat salad dressing. Or you could have say three ounces of roast beef and two of the outer aisle cauliflower thins that you can find at most stores, a slice of cheese, lettuce, tomato, and eat that as a sandwich. For a snack, I do like pork rinds. Um, they're pretty tasty, specifically the 4505 brand, about an ounce, and you could dip them in two tablespoons of guacamole. Or if you haven't had yogurt yet, you could have three-fourths cup of plain Greek yogurt and some berries on top. And then for dinner, about six ounces of fish with a tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil on top of whatever non-starchy veggies or salad, or six ounces of pork chop with a cup of butternut squash, some butter on there, salad and a dressing on top of that. So again, this is just an idea. It might work for you. I hope that it gives you some light at the end of the tunnel and you see changes, but if not, and if you don't feel good doing these changes, you just need more customization. So do not give up and do not say it doesn't work for you. So if you're a guy and your target weight is around 180 pounds, then here are some examples for you. For breakfast, you could have three eggs, three ounces of ham and some veggies in there, or you could do a cup of yogurt with a scoop of collagen and some berries on top. For lunch, about six ounces of animal protein with the salad and two tablespoons of dressing or a burger, no bun in a lettuce wrap. And then for a snack, make a protein shake with about 30 to 40 grams of protein and put some frozen berries, spinach, unsweetened almond milk and ice in there. Or you could have about three to four ounces of meat, maybe with a piece of cheese and some avocado wrapped up in there. And now you're gonna head to dinner, about eight ounces of say fish or chicken or a steak and a tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil on your veggies. Or if your wife is eating that pork chop, then you could have eight ounces of pork chop, a cup of butternut squash and two tablespoons of dressing on top of there. So that is just the food. It is the smallest component associated with dropping weight and keeping it off actually. Once you get the nutrition dialed in, then you really gotta focus on the lifestyle aspect. So that's sleep and movement, stress, mindset, but I hope it gives you a good idea of where to start off and a good jumping off point for you. And just as follow up on the lady that I met at my friend's house, she did stick to her word and she came back to PhD. She was so excited because with my tip, she was able to drop about eight to 10 pounds on her own. She felt very confident with that. And she dove in and dropped the rest of her 30 pounds with us. And she's now in maintenance and doing great and is joining her friends who have dropped a lot of weight and are keeping it off for good. I hope that you found massive value from this episode. It was a lot of information. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform, please leave a review. Um, it allows us to get in front of more people and make positive impact together as a community. If you are watching this on YouTube, then please leave a comment below. Leave any feedback if this was helpful, anything you've tried that you need help with, motivate others in this community, and definitely subscribe so again we can get in front of more people and create massive positive impact. Remember that to step up, you got to make the change. Lead with your heart, train your mind, and don't negotiate with your body. See you on the next show.